You're listening to the We Speak Common Podcast Network. For more information and to support the show, head to wespeakcommon.com. This week, we're talking about inserting monsters and encounters into any campaign and session. How to do it, how to link it back to what's going on in your world, and how to use a monster's law to help you out. Welcome to We Speak Common. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the D&D podcast for everyone because here we speak common. This is the show brought to you in partnership with the Dice Dungeon, your one-stop shop for all things D&D related, whether it be beautiful premium D&D dice, books to run for your wonderful Dungeons and Dragons games, or things to go along with your uh, little accessories at the table like dice rolling trays, battle maps or bags to carry all your books in. Check out the link in the description below of this episode and you'll be able to head over to the website, have a look at everything they've got going on. And when you head over to the checkout, which you inevitably will do, you can use the code WESPEAKCOMMON to get 10% off your entire order. We're also brought to you in partnership with Describe, spelled D-S-C-R-Y-B. Put a .com on the end of that, that's their website. You can head over there to see what they've got going on. If you're not very good at writing descriptions for places, monsters, scenes, characters, spells, pretty much anything that you need to describe in D&D, they've got professional creative writers doing the hard work for you. Go and have a look at the website. There's over 8,500 scenes there right now. It's added on to every week and about 500 of them are free for you to use and look at right now. Links in the description. Go have a look. If you like what you see, you can get full access by subscribing to Describe. And if you use the code COMMON at checkout, you will get 10% off every month for the first two years your subscription stays active. Again, that's Describe, D-S-C-R-Y-B. Of course, we'll talk about our sponsors and our partners at some point during this episode. But right now, back from the land of the far realm, it's my friend and yours, <laughs> David. Hello. Hi, Ben. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am also good. I think we're both today, tonight, when we're recording this, mm-hmm. in uh, a chilled out kind of mood. So I'm going to try and yeah. pull us out of that because <laughs> I've had an evening where I've come in and I've been like, relaxed and chill i've had a hot shower i've cooked a hot meal i've got a glass of rum like i'm i'm just like oh <laughs> and you've come home and you're like i'm exhausted i want to sleep the world can end around me right now i've just seen a mcdonald's and while watching tis watching 600 pound life so that's been an interesting uh <laughs> <laughs> you're like oh there's some, there's some weird uh analogies going on yeah. here that uh yeah yeah i totally understand yeah. that oh Mate, okay, well let's let's distract ourselves from those feelings and instead talk about a wonderful hobby, Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. What what's happening in your TTRPG world right now? Not a lot. <laughs> oh mate. Um oh. we are trying to plan our sessions here for Call of Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. Um I've did the other groups one uh, a couple of weeks back now. So I need yep. to do some actual writing at some point when I find time. Whenever that may be. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's mainly Call of Cthulhu based at the moment. And we did, obviously, James's game a couple of weeks, is it a couple of yeah. weeks ago? Last week? I can't uh, even remember anymore. Last week, I think. Yeah, because you're now um, playing in a, in a campaign with me. I am. That's a lot I of fun. Indeed. It's exciting. That's a lot of fun indeed. Um, I think we've had 
Yeah, I think we've had one session with you. One session. Yeah, James was busy last week, I think so. Yeah, and I'm and I'm about to go away. Of for course, like two weekends. <laughs> I'm about to about to go get my uh, in, impromptu last minute travel across Europe. So yeah. Um, sorry, not sorry. Uh, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go on a big Christmas trip. I'll say about it in a minute. But um, yeah, yeah. So we're actually gonna because I I ran a D and D session last night for Tomb of mm-hmm. Annihilation and forty six sessions in. And the party have finally found the lost city of Omu. It's a round of It's I mean, it's <laughs> monumentous, and it's it's monumentous for a couple of reasons. One, because it's like the next section of the campaign, but also yes. because the way I prep campaigns, I do mm-hmm. my my read, then I do another read, then I, I make notes, then I read it again, and then I rewrite yeah. the module. Right. So I've got this book that I wrote, basically my DM document for Tomb of Annihilation. Yep, and. I haven't flipped to the Omu section since I wrote it because right, I haven't okay. needed it until now. Yeah. So I now get to do this fun bit where I get to go back in, read all my notes for the Omu stuff, read Again. my predictions for like the party composition and like what I, what I would be setting fun. up and stuff yeah. and see how right I got it. So I know for one thing for certain is that like, um, I hadn't set up the fact that there, because I didn't know that there's now an anti-party mm-hmm. of, of anti-heroes that they're fighting against. Oh. So that's fun. That's very um, fun. So that's gonna be that's gonna be a good laugh. Um, that's very very fun. I like that. Yeah. So I get to do that, and then I get to run uh, a session of of Omu. Mm-hmm. Then I'm then I'm away for a week, traveling across Europe, yep. and then I am running a session again, and then it's our Christmas break. But I think the yes. way it works is that we only get we're only missing like one week this year. The way it all that's falls, which bad. is really nice. I think last year yeah. I think we missed like three. So whoa, okay, yeah, it's tough. <laughs> So yeah, it's it's got to that point where I'm now planning like D and D Christmas breaks and like where where the cliffhangers need to fall and stuff, mm-hmm. which is a, nice. a like fun it. thing. Yeah, but it's all been good. I did actually um, in that session last night uh, slap everyone on the wrist and say we need to finish our Witcher game. So because you're mm-hmm. in that too, I am. Um, we do need so to finish that. It's 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 gonna. I happen. love the system as well. It's so fun. Like me too. I mean, I'm I'm at the point where I'm like, if I ever leave D and D for an extended period, I'll go to The Witcher. Yeah. Um. I don't, that's not going to happen. Call of Cthulhu feels very like modern, like non fantasy Witcher almost. Like the way that the rules work are very similarish. Like the, in a the, sense. the crunchiness I, of it. The crunchiness of it. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm really, <laughs> I'm really excited to play Call of Cthulhu. Me too. So, Me too. I mean, it'll be next year at this point, but it'll happen. Yeah, it will happen. It will happen. What are we, what are we, what are we talking about today? What are we doing? Monsters and things. Monsters and things. Oh, mm. yes. Okay. Uh, this is, I think this topic is one of the ones where I go, well, we don't need to talk about that. That's obvious, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And then someone goes, no, 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 help me. Because everyone has yeah. different things that they struggle with in D&D. And this is one of the things I love doing. So I'm excited to talk about this. Um, we're going to talk about how to bring in monsters into a session. And yes. I, I, specifically, yep. I'm thinking like random encounters or your players have fought something you didn't expect them to fight. Yep. You know, stuff like that. How do you bring it in, tie it all in and make it work? And we're going to use... Um, a focus on monster lore and mm. monster legends and how yep. you can kind of make make stuff fun and not just like 
the standard ah oh, there's a chimera in the forest and it's here now um you know actually take really generic monsters air yeah. quotes, and make them fun too so yes. the way i want to do this dave is i want to break it up into two parts i want to do first of all the kind of general things that that we would think about and we would use and we would do mm-hmm. when bringing monsters into a session unexpected and then after we've gone through that, we're both going to pick a monster each yes. and come up with how we would introduce it into a session. Yeah. Um, the first thing that we should probably point out that will be difficult to kind of do is that obviously every campaign is different. Mine right yeah. now is in the jungles of Chol. Yours is in Eberron, for yeah. example. Like, the, you can't bring a monster the same way in both of those locations. No. So we're going to have to be a little bit generic, but hopefully... I, I have gone for a generic theme of my my idea, okay. so cool. we're okay for that. <laughs> All right, great. Let's um, let's talk about bringing monsters into campaigns then. Dave, how how often do you use random encounters? Um, as in, like, the table? Mm-hmm. Never. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I, too, am a never-use-random-encounters <laughs> yeah. until I started running TOA. Of course, and, yeah. Uh, and actually, there's uh, the uh, a campaign that I run, Blight of the Natural World. Mm-hmm. I use random encounter tables from the Xanathar's Guide okay. in that game. Yeah. And normally, I would say for a big campaign that you, you plan out your encounters, like in your prep, roll them out, know what they are, mm-hmm. plan them in. But when I was running uh, Tomb of Annihilation and when I started running Blight, Something I wanted to do because I enjoy it was put my improvisational skills to the test. So mm-hmm. I love one of the things I love about D&D is when something happens, when the characters do something, the players do something that I'm not expecting and yeah. I have to I have to tie it in. And I feel like I've got quite good at it mm-hmm. to the point where there are full on sessions I've run of D&D where my players have come away and gone, that was amazing. I can't believe you planned that. That was incredible. And it all tied in and we hit this story <laughs> beat and my character's backstory came up and I fully went to that session with something else completely planned. Oh, yeah. Something random happened and I had to just roll with it. I swear all of my best sessions have been like improv only. <laughs> yeah. And there's something about that, right? Because I, I never want to say, hey, you should improv every D&D session. Yeah. You absolutely shouldn't do that. No. But there is something about when you have a really good understanding of your world, mm-hmm. of your players' characters, of the story, you can improv stuff and you can yeah. pull stuff in and see opportunities to drop plot keys and things. Um, and so I wanted to test that. And so I started using random encounter tables and like with uh, Tomb of Annihilation, with the hex crawl, where, and if you, you can hear an example of this, if you go back to our hex crawl episode that came out a few weeks ago, yeah. um, I got to a point where the players are sort of montaging their hex crews. So they'll, they'll look at the map, they'll plan a certain number of days journey because yeah. it's a hex per day, unless they travel at a fast pace. Right. And then we'll, we'll roll out whether they get lost. Then we'll roll out how many encounters there are. Then we'll roll the encounters and I'll know what they are. And mm-hmm. I, so like last night they did seven days journey. They only had one encounter. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. Um, we rolled it out and it was a, an interesting one. I'll get to it later. Okay. Um, and I was like, okay, great, cool. Roll out, like, like work out yourselves and your water because it's all survival elements. We got it all lined up and I said, okay, guys, let's take five minutes. I'm going to go put the kettle on, make a cup mm-hmm. of tea. We'll come back. 
and we'll do the montage of travel, which is what I yeah. normally do if we're rolling it in session um, and I need to like plan something. So I went away, just double checked some notes and was like, cool, good, off we go. And then improv. Yeah. And it was, it was good fun. And I find that like, I love that. I love doing that. Yeah. So that for me is the prime scenario where I'm bringing in a monster and I need to come up with something. Yes. I guess the other one, which is probably a little bit more common is, uh, the players are, they've decided to go somewhere you've unplanned for, you've not planned for, and you need to, you know, they've gone into a forest and you need to bring out a monster. So you go, ah, oh, uh, a hag will do. And you, <laughs> you have to throw something at them. Yeah. Um, that's another example. I really enjoy it. That's a really long winded way of me saying I really enjoy yeah. it. How do you feel about it? And yeah. I love doing encounters anyway. Like most people will tell you on the server, whether I've been in my games that I enjoy a bit of encounter. Uh, <laughs> so this is my bread and butter. Like I enjoy um, just descriptions in general of monsters that are very, very fun. Like we've talked about horror a lot and that's key in horror elements, describing that monster or hints of it prior to actually seeing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's actually a really good leaping point off for one of the first things I say is, is key. I would say is key yeah. to, um, and this is something that Sam said to me recently. He said, oh, when um, we do something unexpected, I see that you slow down and you mm-hmm. really like scale in on things and zoom yeah. in on, on details. And that's like, for me, and I said, I was like, oh my God, yeah, I do. Because I really <laughs> want to make it feel meaningful. Like, yeah. I don't want it to feel random no. if it is a random encounter. Yeah, 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 exactly. So descriptions and stuff, your love for that, I think is something that everybody should think about when bringing in something unexpected in the sense yeah. that you as the DM weren't expecting it. So let's say the mon- the characters have gone to the forest and you need to pull a monster out, so you go for a troll. Okay, what type of troll is it? Is it a, is it a sea, like a sea troll, a water troll coming out of a lake? Yeah. Okay really describe the green slimy skin and the sound of the dripping water yeah and, barnacles and, on it and, oh yeah, yeah. Barnacles. <laughs> or like or like seaweed hanging out of its yes. hair and uh, and the smell of fish maybe it's eat yeah. holding a fish yeah rotten fish <laughs> oh god yeah because trolls usually are like they're just gross aren't they? they're just yeah. gross creatures they're great <laughs> so if you really nail in on that detail if you mm-hmm. really hyper focus in on it i think it does two things one it paints a, a vivid picture in your players minds and it gets yeah. them really focused on oh oh something's happening mm-hmm. like we don't what is it what you know you describe don't describe the key elements like if it's a beholder you're not going to instantly describe the 10 eyes and the spherical body you're going to focus on maybe the texture and color of the skin yeah. and then the sharp pointy teeth and go around it and kind of reveal the, you know, the who's that Pokemon of the yeah. D&D monster. Because as well, the thing, especially with Beholders, each Beholder is unique. And that's mm. so key. Like, yes, they might imagine themselves, but they normally fight out to the death and see who wins to get that position. Well, yeah. So Beholders are a great one for, re- for doing that and hyper-focusing in because, yeah. of, their, because of their lore. So mm-hmm. each Beholder dreams is dreamed into existence yes by another beholder each beholder believes that they are the 100 accurate depiction of true beauty yep. which is their god 
Who we and spoke about so, in the last episode as well, briefly. The, Be- the Beholder God. Yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> when you, when two Beholders see each other, because they don't see, you know, themselves, they see a different yep. Beholder, they think that that other Beholder is, is a disgrace, and so they, they kill each it other. It needs to be death. purged. <laughs> <laughs> Even when they dream themselves into existence, they're not they're not perfect one hundred percent copies. That their eyeball is slightly off by two centimeters, and yeah. so they have to die. Yeah. Um, <laughs> honestly, so that yeah, that's a great one for it. And there mm-hmm. are there are tables in Volo's guide for like disc- for rolling up um, what a beholder looks like. Oh, that's fun! I didn't like know different that. skin colors and like. Art, like scale types and skin types and textures nice. and yeah it's really cool that's very fun um so yeah so that's that's one thing if you're bringing in a random creature or a random encounter hyper focus on the detail mm-hmm. and don't don't give them everything straight away do it slowly <laughs> yeah my favorite version of this that i've pulled off was with was with a chimera actually with a um nice so Chimera is uh, head of a lion, lion, yeah. wings of a dragon. Yeah. I think body Tales. of a. I thought Whoa. is it? Hang is on. it? And is, is one with a scorpion tail? Is that right? Yes, 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 yeah. yes. That it? Yeah, it is. Hang on, I'm going to tell you. I've got my monster manual here. Um, is it not Chimera? Is it not a body? Is C H I M? Page thirty nine of the monster manual. I might have spelled that completely wrong. <laughs> you, you weren't far off. It was C-H-I. There we go. Um, here we go. So, the Chimera... Oh, yeah, it's got three heads. So it's... Yes. Um, goat, lion, dragon. Dragon head, yeah. goat head, lion head, dragon wings, dragon tail, back legs of a goat, front legs of Thanks. a lion. Yes. Yeah, it, fun. Very fun. Chimera combines the worst aspects of its three parts. <laughs> um, so with that, I was like, okay, how do I, how do I describe this creature without yeah. giving it away? Because you hear the head of a dragon, goat, and a lion. <laughs> go, oh, oh, it's a chimera, yeah. obviously. Unless you've, ne- unless you don't know what chimera is, in which case, yeah. then any description is going to throw you off. But it's like, okay, <laughs> how do I, how do I describe this creature in in such a weird way that. Yeah, it's not obvious difficult. until you you get to it. And sometimes, the, obviously, it can be quite difficult to put across a description. Mm-hmm. If only you had a service out there that helped you do that with professional creative writers. Wow. Um, but <laughs> the silly, <laughs> mate. <laughs> mate, it's, it's winter. The cost of living's going up. All right, I'm not, ha- I'm not had my heating on at all this year. I'm freezing. Um, you. You have to sometimes at the end of the description, if the players are still going, oh, wait, what? what is this thing? Oh my God, it's crazy. You go, this is a chimera. And then they go, oh, like, <laughs> yeah. that's fine too. Like yeah. you know, saying what it is, is fine. Yeah. Um, have you, have you got any times that you've done that? I'm trying to think of any ones that I have. Um, hmm. Not off the top of my head. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, not like, it. not like, um, to the point where they can't tell what it is. I think 
And, and there's trouble with their burden as well. A lot of the enemies, like, are humanoids. Like, the people are the bad guys. <laughs> but that's great, because and like, yeah. I, cause I was going to say, if you want to get better at this, pick a creature that's really iconic, like a yeah. dragon, and try and write a description for a dragon without yeah. telling someone it's a dragon until the end. So mm-hmm. in that case, it would be like, I'd use malaphores and, um, you know, similes and metaphors and things to describe it. So, you know... Mm-hmm. Um, floating through the sky like death on smoke or something you know like mm-hmm. using weird like poetic descriptions yeah. um hard leathery skin that defies all iron you know it's yeah. like that could be weird that could be things. anything yeah it's pretty obvious it's a dragon because a dragon's like iconic and you know i'm talking about dragon yeah. but if you were presented something like that at the table you might not straight away know so yeah but the same test is there with humanoids it's like pick a pick a couple of different humanoids and try and describe them in different ways like maybe pick mm. three different like a halfling thief um a human wizard and a an half orc barbarian right yeah three very different hum- uh, humanoid figures describe each of the right description for each of those focusing on their little parts yeah and their nuances and and make it so that you don't know what they are until at the very end and I bet you you'll get three very different descriptions. Oh, definitely. Definitely, especially with those ones. <laughs> well, there you go. You know, yeah. and then you can make it harder for yourself. You can, you can pick things that are more co- like close together, more similar. Yeah. Or something like crazy, like a changeling or... Yeah, a... <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> try, try to describe that. <laughs> Changing. I find that those are the most fun, though. They are. But yeah, one so... The... Fo- go on, on mate. Uh, One of the best descriptions I... Read of a changeling was in one of Keith Baker's books, of course, one of the <laughs> novels, um, and it was uh, at a like a um, like a dinner party almost, but um, for dignitaries, and they had uh, these dancers come on stage that were changelings, and he described their skin shifting into like flame effects, Ooh. and they 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 call them, yeah they're like fire dancers. It's really cool, and like, they're just cool. shimmering skin and stuff. Really, really cool. Yeah. I like that. I like that yeah. a lot. So go and find some creatures and practice focusing on the really minute detail, minute, my, minute, minute. There we go. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh, the minute details of their descriptions and use that as a way to introduce creatures that may feel a bit random or those random encounters. Um, you know, it's not just a tribe of goblins. It's the thunderous sounds of 60 pairs of feet running from a camp. <laughs> Uh, a campfire of billowing smoke that's coming up over the tree line. You know, it's it's stuff like that. Yeah. It could be anything. There could be, there could be kobolds for all you know. Um, okay. What else do you focus on when you're bringing in something last minute? Last minute. Um, oh. <laughs> Can you hear that? <laughs> yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Oh, my neighbours are having a good time. <laughs> they have no so, they, they love a Thursday night drink. <laughs> Welcome to Manchester. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm trying to think now. My that's just throwing me completely off. Um, okay, green. but let me let me bring Wait, you, you on. go go okay. go. So my brain isn't working. <laughs> one that I like to do if I need to throw something at my players, I like to try and pick two things and combine them mm-hmm. to make them a bit more unique. And I've I've done this many times in Chult. Um, and I actually can't think of a of a, an actual example, so I'm going to have to make one up. But let's say you're you're rolling up an encounter for your party, or you're um, 
you know, you, you've got to throw an encounter at them because they're traveling somewhere dangerous and nothing's happened this session yeah. so far, right? You need to slow them down. The, the next area is not ready for them and you need to put something in their way for this session and have a fight. Yeah. Let's say in the scenario you're rolling on a table and the, the players have rolled for two encounters on that day. Mm-hmm. Now what you could do is roll up two encounters and get an encounter with the Emerald Enclave and mm-hmm. an encounter with uh, the Zentarum. And mm-hmm. you could be like, oh, Okay, cool. So they're going to encounter the Emerald Enclave. It'll be great. It'll be fun. They'll have their lunch break. Then they'll go and they'll encounter this entire time and have a fight and then they'll get to where they need to go. Mm-hmm. That's perfectly fine. Or you combine the two and the say, party come yeah. across a standoff between the Emerald Enclave and the Zentarum yeah. right at the point where they want to, you know, set up camp and have a lunch break and they need to pick a side and get involved. Yeah. Um, I actually think I, did I do that? Is that one I've done? I did one with um, Zentarum, Emerald Enclave, and some undead. And it was nice. the, the Zentarum, this is in Cholt, the Zentarum had, it was a couple of Zentarum who had hired a load of Cholton warriors and some undead from the Red Wizards. Right. And were traveling through the jungle. I think it was something, or no, 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 they hadn't hired the undead. The undead attacked them, but the Emerald Enclave were like in the tree. So they got to the standoff. Yeah. The party were like, what's going on? Oh, we're going to have to, we need to help. And they tried to help. And then the undead came in because um, right, right, right. they made noise fighting. Now the players didn't know that they'd rolled three encounters, one with undead, one with Emerald Enclave, <laughs> and one with Zantara. Yeah. They didn't know that the, you know, uh, that from, from my side of the table, at some point they're going to come across zombies and if mm-hmm. I can find a way to make it happen in this encounter, I will. So then when combat broke out and they were making noise, that was the perfect reason for me to then bring that third encounter element in. Yeah. Um, and that's that improvisational element, right? That's the, yeah. okay, where are the options for me to bring stuff in? Um, and from Probably. that that encounter, one of the Zantarum assassins got away and is now part of the anti-party. So, Perfect. You know. You, you made an excellent point there as well, is if it's... So say if you were just rolling on a generic random encounter table so it's not specific to your game mm. and is tying it into that game so if, like you just said the Zentarium and you know the Emerald Enclave and the Undead that's all very Chilton stuff mm. going on that's very Forgotten Realms but say you like you just rolled a bunch of Undead well you need to think about where these Undead came from why they're right. undead right and like who are they bef- prior to being undead probably at some point as well so in my blight of the natural world campaign i'm using those those tables in the xanathar's guide and yeah. they're based on location mm-hmm. so it's like oh uh tier two grassland encounters right tier two mountainous encounters or whatever um and so I, that's the, that's the the tricky bit that i come across mm-hmm. i think the chimera, the chimera, the chimera. There we go. Mm-hmm. Was one of those um, kind of ones that was like, ah, okay, how do I make this like come up? Yeah. But in in that campaign, in that storyline, which is set in the same world as as the Chong game and everything else, mm-hmm. um, the Red Wizards are using the distractions of the Death Curse and Tiamat's rising to try and set up an invasion of the Sword Coast. Um, right. And they're manipulating uh, gnolls goblins okay. and um what's the other faction gnolls goblins and one of the others one of the other typical three <laughs> bad guy um, people <laughs> yeah they're they're, they're using a, a devil to like 
get them all together and have them yeah. like cause chaos and raid while the the wizards go unnoticed right. setting up their, their spells yeah exactly yeah so if i rolled a goblin encounter on that table i knew enough about the lore of the story to be able to go ah cool they're part yeah. of this pack of goblins that recently were involved in this raid which is nearby to where the players are yeah if i rolled up the undead well okay in that campaign the, the the red wizards are the main bad guys and the players have only come across two red wizards so the undead being there is another way for me to set clues and use some plot keys to show mm-hmm. that the red wizards are involved like yes maybe they're nearby farm workers who have been killed and resurrected as thralls to do labor or maybe and this again this is all the improvisational stuff and this is the skill that you kind of grow and get better at doing yeah okay i've rolled an undead encounter the story the campaign's main villains are the red wizards they use the undead cool there's my link Perfect. right yeah. how do i now implement that okay well we're we're in um we're we, you know we're just north of daggerford we're three days away traveling on foot from the main bad guy lair the players yeah. don't know that cool so it's a scouting patrol of undead zombies cool great the players fight the undead they go why the hell are there zombies here they win the encounter and then i put in little bits of plot key information so maybe the um the base that the red wizards are using is an old manor that belonged to an old elven family Mm -hmm. ah well these people are or were servants who worked at the manor who are wearing the um family crest on their Mm -hmm clothes yeah. so now the players have killed some zombies they've gone why the hell are there zombies here that makes no sense oh why are they wearing the family crest what is that oh, we'll, this person, yeah. we'll cut that off we'll take it back to daggerford with us and we'll find out where that crest is for and suddenly they've got a lead to a location yeah oh. and all of that is like looking at what you've got going on and just making it fit together mm-hmm. which is hard yeah like and that's it, that sounds easy difficult. but it, it's not you, you just get better at it it's difficult I think if it, if you're just starting out on a new world, for example, that'd be difficult. But like you said, if you are have lived in that world for long enough time, you can just go right. This, 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 this. I suppose the other way of doing it, and and this will be a preference thing, is whether you're a. What's the phrase when you're a writer? Are you do you either write by the seat of your pants, or are you are you a are you a plotter, mm-hmm. or are you or are you a whatever the other phrase is yeah so do you plan everything and then write it or do you write and let the story develop as you write and D yeah. can be like that for me definitely I, I plan everything and then i let my players it's a bit both because i plan all, all of the the guidelines yeah and what what the plans are of the evil guy and what the world is like and all that kind of stuff and then i let the players decisions and actions change things yeah you you when you prep you prep to it like a a very heavy level yeah i would say um i prep basics and then i think i let the players guide it more and then just kind of wing the rest of it so for you then it might be easier to do it in the reverse and instead of getting the the zombie encounter and going okay how do i link this back in is to go okay i've got a zombie encounter I'm going to describe some stuff. I'm going to make this encounter really cool and memorable. Yeah. Write everything down as I go. And then later I'll work out what it all means. Exactly. Yeah. That, I mean, that's pretty much, 
I might like even just drop something in there like that I can just think of mm. later on. Like, say for example, um, they find a coin that doesn't belong to the region or something like that. You could just like, yeah. If you're flowing and you know the areas and you know your storyline, you're fine. Like, you will just be able to drop things like that in there. Well, that's yeah. That's kind of where I'm going. Is like as long as you know your story and you know your location, your setting, you can make it work. Yeah. Um, and I find that if you know that stuff, you're less kind of winging it and working out later, and more likely going, oh, I can link it back in. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't like coming up with something and then fixing it and working it and fixing no, it back yeah, in fair. later. I don't. I just that's just not my preferred method. Doesn't mean I don't do it. There are times yeah. when I have done it that way. Sometimes you need to do that. There's, it, there's some moments where you're like that thrown off. You'd be like, well, <laughs> this, is, this is happening and I need to work out how this is linked or... Yeah. For me, it's like I'll, I'll, we'll be in a session and something will happen and I'll go, oh shit, that's cool. Yeah. I've just thought of something and I'll have inspiration then and there mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll just be like, okay, that's the thing now and I'll do yeah. it. Um, but I feel that I am confident, confident enough in my story writing and like the setups that I've already done yeah. for it to not be random and yes. come out of nowhere and that kind of stuff. And I think that's the key. Yeah. I mean, that, uh, I've, I mean, I've planned encounters, but not of a table randomly. Mm-hmm. So like the players will do something and I'd be like, right, well, this is going to happen. <laughs> for example, guards or like. A gang or something well, guards, like that. Guards is what I was just thinking. That's yeah. a really good example is of, of the characters piss about in town. Yeah. And you go, you can't, you can't be doing this. It's like no. the other, um, <laughs> the other day in our session that you joined for James's game. Yeah. We're in the streets of Waterdeep and we suddenly get in trouble and we're casting spells and I'm going, we're going to get in trouble. This is against <laughs> the law, guys. Yep. Um, you know, guards are going to turn up if we're not careful. And that's the kind of scenario where you can just go, well, I guess some guards are coming then. And yeah, let, exactly. Let the players reap what they sow. I've done that many times. I mean, I've planned, like, that's the difference between my random encounters and random encounter table. Like, I have planned random encounters, but not because I've rolled them, because something has happened to affect the storyline where I need something to put in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. I mean, if you can, if you know that you're going to need something and you do it in the prep stages, yeah, it's a lot easier because you've got more time to think about it. Of course, it, it is. <laughs> you're not on the spot. Yeah, it's the on the spot stuff that's the yeah, either the hard bit or the fun bit, depending it's, on how you look at it. It's both. <laughs> it can be difficult, but it can be fun. I encourage people to look at it as an opportunity. Yeah, rather than a oh god, I've got to make this work. They can be really fun, really really fun to do. Yeah. And you can always fall back on certain things. Like when you're sat there and you're looking at your, whatever you've rolled or whatever, or whatever scenario you're in and you need to do something, the, the things that you fall back on are your cornerstones. So like, okay, have you got an NPC that's with the party that you can use? What's the location? Can you, can you fall back on that? Yeah. What's the, the creature? Can you fall back on on whether it's like a unique creature that should or shouldn't be here. Yeah. And also like if you're rolling on a table, don't be afraid to change the result. If yeah, you roll a random encounter. You can just it, pick up that table if you want to. Like, it makes no sense. The, yeah. the one I've talked about many times before is Tomb of Annihilation. The characters rolled for Artist Simba at, like the first time they went into the jungles. And I went, 
no absolutely not yeah <laughs> that would ruin the story um and so i changed it to be someone looking for artists and it was the giants and it was a great encounter um but one of those key things that you can lean back on of course is is just describing what's going on around them and if you're not yeah. very good at describing things dave there's a there's a cool website that you can go to that does all of the hard work for you i don't know if you've heard of it uh, no, i don't think i don't think i've heard of this but what, what's it called that's disappointing it means you've not been listening to me for the last year and a half oh wait <laughs> Uh, it's it's a lovely little website called Describe, spelled D-S-C-R-Y-B. Uh, describe, com on the end. There's a link in the description below. It's genuinely not, I mean, this is an ad read, but not as part of the ad read. If you are struggling with bringing in random encounters and you want to just make them feel more important, descriptions is the best way to do it. And if you're not good at describing, just go and have a look at some of the free ones that are available on the website. Just follow that link below. Type in anything. I don't know. Maybe there's an encounter you've run recently. You know, maybe you've you fought a troll recently and you felt like you didn't describe it. Well, try, type in troll and there'll be a load of results. And a few of them will be free and available for you to open and read. The rest will be tiny little previews. But read them and get a sense for like what you like about the way they're described and, and how they're written and give it a go and write some more. Uh, and if you find that you are just awful at writing because it's not for everyone then subscribe to Describe and get access to over 8,000 scenes of places, monsters, people, creatures, spells, fucking things you can say as a player, things everything. you can... Just literally <laughs> everything. Literally everything, Dave. It's mental. If you can't bother listening to us, just go to Describe and read them. <laughs> Follow the link in the description below. Use the code COMMON at checkout. You'll get 10% off if you subscribe to get access for everything and you'll get that 10% off every month for the first uh, two years that you are subscribed on that subscription. So, so go good. check it out. That is so good. It's, so good. it's ridiculously good. Uh, and while you're down in the description of the episode, why not head over to the Dice Dungeon website? Dave, you and I mm. recently yes. met Ben and Dave from the Dice Dungeon. Yes. They were, they were wonderful, weren't they? They were amazing. What great people they were. They were fantastic. We had such fun at Dragon Meat <laughs> that we went to the blast. a couple week weeks ago. Not not that we're recording this before Dragon Meat at all. What's but, the future? I don't know what that is. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Do you know what I really liked about Ben and Dave when we met them what, at Dragon Meat? What was your favourite thing about Ben and Dave? My favourite thing was that they gave us loads of free D&D dice. I think they should give us... Everything. No, Dave, Dave. <laughs> I mean, they did this, give us everything. This has already happened. They gave we, us everything they We had. went to Dragon Meat and they were really kind and they gave us every single... They gave us a, a, a one of every set. Do you not remember? They, they opened a bag. The bag of... What's the of, bag called? The, the, the bag of hoarding. The bag of hoarding. Thank you, Ben. They opened a bag of hoarding and just, like, scraped the table into it for us, sealed yeah. it, and then gave it to us. And that was wonderful. And they did that twice. They did it once for me, then they rebuilt then, the table, did it again for you. Ex- yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, ben and Dave are wonderful people. Yeah. Wonderful people. Yeah. Uh, and the Dice Dungeon, although it now may be short of stock because they donated all of it to us when we, we met them it. at Dragon Meat in two days, uh, I mean, last week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can still go and have a look at their website. There's a link in the description below. Follow it. Have a look at what they've got going on. Premium D&D dice made of metal, resin, glass, crystal, literally everything under the sun. They've probably got dice made of sun dust. Like they're, they're, they're that premium. They probably have. Uh, they've also got uh, all of the D&D books you could want to get uh, your hands now on. I want, uh, now I want asteroid dice, Ben. I, I will. I mean, I don't know what you mean. I'm, we've already got them. Oh, uh, yes. We'll, we'll have a chat to them about asteroid dice. 
Oh, I'm yes. sure. I'm sure it's possible, and that's definitely possible. Not overt, overtly expensive at all. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that they they have the funds to to create it's asteroid fine. dice for us. It's fine. <laughs> They've got uh, all the D and D books you can want, including the upcoming Dragonlance book, uh, which I think is actually out at the time that this episode it is released. It will be out by that point. Oh, I cannot wait. I'm very um, excited. Uh, and of course, all the extra things like the the bag fording, like dice rolling trays, just. Honestly, anything you could want as an accessory for your D&D games, they've got going on, on the website. You can follow the link below. In all seriousness, Ben and Dave, not me and Dave. Not me. Ben and yeah. Dave from this the That's going to get real confusing as well. They're really nice guys, and um, I am very, very excited to finally I know. meet them for the first time properly and not talk to them over a phone or a screen or a computer. Um, so go and check out what they've got going on. And remember, you can use the code WESPEAKCOMMON at checkout. You'll get 10% off your entire order. Uh, so anything you put in the basket will get 10% off it whether it's a book whether it's dice whether it's a tray whatever it will get that 10% off um, yeah they're wonderful people go check them out that was probably one of the most chaotic ad reads I've ever done in my life I apologise that's all me mm. um. <laughs> no 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 it's fine I feel like we've we've talked a lot about kind of like the key things we think about with with these encounters yes so let's do our Make them up on the spot. Do it right Ooh. now. Versions. What's your monster, Dave? It's a lava child. A, what the fuck is a lava child? <laughs> <laughs> is this from Eberron? Have you picked an no, Eberron? No, no, no. This is not from Eberron, my friend. What book is it from? A lava child. I might I have to get up and go to my bookshelf. It may be... F- Let me have a look. Um, well, it's, I apologise. It's, it's not... Okay, in I thought you would have known what this is because... It's not in the monster manual, I'll tell you that. It could be in a later one. Um, let me find out exactly what it's from for right, you. Right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go to my bookshelf. Aren't go, I? What, go, what, what is it? Tell me what. I'll book find it. From. I'm finding it right now for you. I haven't looked in a book, Ben. I use D&D Beyond, so please oh, hold, caller. Yeah, um, I'm gonna enjoy this rum that I've got. Um, this is from. Oh, mm. oh, they're from Wars Deep, mm. the Mad Mage, Ben. Oh, Dungeon Mad Mage. Let me go get it. Two seconds. Um, Dave, talk to the audience. Yes. Yes, audience, um, please hold for Ben coming back. Uh, he won't be long. Um, I don't really know what else to say. Um, lava children, they're creepy. They look like children, but they're like adults. And they live in lava and kind of all like it. So yeah, still holding. Ben. Please wait. You can hear the crashing of his books in the background. Okay, I'm back. He's back. I'm back. Sorry, it was... Underneath a lot of books, we just quite, we just had a good um, chat. Um, we, we, were you bad mouthing me? No, no. Okay, good. Right, uh, a lava child. Mm, are you um, ready for this? Are you ready for the picture then of a lava child? I, oh, hang on, hang on. I've got to find the page. Uh, uh, let me find that for you. Dungeon uh, Dozens three ten. Oh, it doesn't tell me the page on here. That's unfortunate. Mm, that's because you're in an inferior version of the book. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> whoa! It's true. Having a book is better than being online. I will, I will die on that hill. Um, okay. Lava child. Here we go. Here we go. Oh my God. That's horrific. That's like yep. a mix between the clown from heavy metal and yep. an adult baby who's never cut yes. their fingernails. Correct. That is an accurate description. Lava child. Physically identical to one another, lava children have muscular builds and childish, perpetually grinning faces. Most are born in the fountains <laughs> of creation, also known as the plain of magma, 
which is wedged between the elemental planes of earth and fire. Within volcanic caverns, lava children form communities, serving primordial beings out of fear or worshipping gods of earth and fire. Though they're not violent by nature, lava children fiercely defend territory they claim as their own. Many intruders have been fooled by a lava child's smile. I mean, I don't think so. Not <laughs> You wouldn't be fooled by that, would you? No, thank you. Uh, believing themselves welcome, no, welcome when they in <laughs> fact are about to be torn limb from limb. Jesus Christ. <laughs> lava children typically stick close to their lairs, but actively hunt when food grows scarce. Lava mm. born. Uh, the first lava children were created by the merging of spirits of earth and fire. Upon reaching adulthood, a lava child gains the ability to procreate by itself. Mm-hmm. An adult lava child lays eggs. several eggs <laughs> oh, in its lifetime, which is roughly 50 years. These eggs incubate in pools of molten magma until they hatch. The pink, smiling newborn <laughs> matures at the same rate as a human. The parent protects its offspring until the new lava child is strong enough to defend itself and forage on its own. Lava children eat meat, bones, paper, plants, and just about anything else not made of metal or stone. Cooked meat is their favourite. It's their favourite, Ben. I hate you so much. (laughs) This is, that's disgusting. Uh, It's lovely. They're the best. I actually don't know what to do with this. I have fought against them before. It, as a player there's a reason I didn't know what these were mm. it was a memory that was locked away from fear <laughs> uh, okay so anyone who has a copy of uh, Dungeon the Mad Mage or has it available on D&D Beyond needs to go and look up a lava child so they can share in my just horror. google just google lava child why are they ginger it. I don't know why do they look like it they do look a bit like it mm. do you know what do you know what the worst thing is yeah they actually remind me of someone that I know. No, stop it. No, 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 no. They do. That's horrifying. They I do. hear They do. You know um, what it is for me? It's the claws. It's like a human body with weird claws. The claw. The claw. Okay. So I'm playing a D&D game. Mm. I go, oh God, I need a random encounter. Yeah. I roll the dice and I get this monstrosity. Yes. They are actually a humanoid. They um, are. How am I, how am I, what are you improvising what, here, Dave? What, what you don't know about lava children, Brendan, why isn't listed in that description, is that they enjoy to bathe in pools of lava like Ooh. a human would in the swimming pools. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. So, <laughs> can you imagine, right? So you, you are a party and you go to a volcanic area. Okay. You're walking through a you're walking through a cave system, and you see one of your players rolls a good, pretty good perception check. Rolls like an eighteen on a perception check, and they just see a little head bob above the lava ball and drop back down again. No, no, no. <laughs> okay, a mine would be. Oh yeah, me- metal immunity. Lava child can move through metal without hindrance. <laughs> what? It has advantage on attack rolls against any creature wearing metal armor or using a metal shield. Um, so my my setup, mm-hmm. I've rolled lava children. You're walking, you're walking through caves, caverns, mm-hmm. um, and they're dark and you've got, maybe you've got your torch, a couple of humans at the back of the party with their torchlight and maybe mm-hmm. an elf up front with their dark vision. And in the distance you see light bounding off the walls and you think, hmm. That must be 
a natural light source of some some kind. We are in a volcanic, mountainous region. Maybe there's lava sense. down here. And sense. then you just hear giggling. Oh, yeah. I like that. The, the giggling of lava children, which in my mind sounds something like, like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> 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 that bouncing it. off the walls. Can you yeah, imagine that? And then like the scraping of those claws against some rocks. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's, yeah. I, <sighs> yeah. okay. Enjoy that thought. Um, how are you, how are you linking this into whatever damn plot you've got oh, going on? Okay. So how are you making this, how are you making this relevant to the session and not just a random encounter? So, in in my game that we're making up right now, um, the players are going up against a um, an elemental being, and these lava children worship that elemental being. But they are just this is just a cavern of lava children that has no relevance to the main plot. Yeah. However, these ones uh, have cultist symbols around their neck that do not burn in fire or lava. Mm. Okay. So you've put in a mystery. Yes. Do you have an answer to the mystery, or are you setting it up to pay? Setting off later? it up to pay off later. Okay. Okay. I like that. I like that. So if I was if I was running Tomb of Annihilation, because that's the campaign I'm running at the moment, and mm-hmm. Lava Children came up, um, I'm going to assume we're somewhere that they could be rolled. So yes. you're either in the peaks of the flame, yep. which are these uh, the three peaked volcanoes. Maybe you're in the Valley of Lost Honor. Which is, is scorched a, land. Is there a pool of lava in the, the, the city, if I'm not mistaken? Did I see that? Uh, in Omu, there's loads of lava. Yeah. yeah. So maybe maybe you're in Omu. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and please I'll, ruin people's lives with these now. <laughs> I'm after it. I would have them... So taking your sigil mm. idea, I would... The, the thing burned into them would be the mark of a Serac, and these oh. creatures were the once proud Omuans who were enslaved by Serac to build the Temple of the Nine I love Gods. it. I love that. I'm here there for you it. Go. <laughs> That's beautiful. Linked it back in. <laughs> these things are horrific. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> I think... So what we've done there is we've focused in on the descriptions and the location. We've put in a story element and we've linked it back to a plot. Yep. Boom. No longer just a random encounter. It's relevant to the campaign. It's everywhere. Lava children everywhere now. It's the this is a new favourite. Please don't put lava children everywhere. <laughs> I I would actually hate that for, uh, for Yeah. It looks like the drooling on the picture as well. That artist did a great job. I, um, yeah, I don't know who I don't know who made that art, but it's um Shout out to the artist. Um <laughs> God, I don't even, I don't even know what, how to, what to do with that in my brain now. <laughs> it, it's there now forever and I can't it, forget yeah. it. I, I literally close my eyes and I can see it. Yeah. Um, okay. What have you got right. for me then? What have you got for me? What have I got for you? So I was going to just put it up. Hang on. Where is my... Let me get ready. Where is my creature? I've got it open on one of my tabs. Where is it? Where is it? I wanted to go for horror because I know you love horror. I, I'm here for that shit. <laughs> uh, hang on, hang on. Where, where's my bad boy? Where is my bad boy? There it is. I think I've talked about this creature before on the okay. podcast. Um, and I have used it once, I believe, but it was in a planning okay. counter. I'm going for the Nosferatu. Oh, baby. Mm. So this is a monster from... Uh, Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. 
it is an undead, medium undead. It's a CR8, so it's a uh, it's a vampire, but it's yes, it's more than just a vampire. It is a classic Nosferatu. So the description is as this: <clears throat> vicious undead hunters, Nosferatu poses the endless thirst. Uh, possess the endless thirst of vampires, but none of their grace. For them, existence is nothing more than an everlasting string of cold, desperate nights, punctuated by crimson splashes of momentary warmth and lucidity. These joys are fleeting, as their blood addiction can never be quelled. Uh, Nosferatu feed on anything with blood. Heaps of mutilated rats and uh, and stables turned into slaughterhouses are typical first signs of Nosferatu's uh, predation. When the sun interrupts their hunts, Nosferatu retreat to favoured ruins, sewers, or caves, uh, caring nothing for their lair's comfort. Rather than retiring to crypts, they see- seek filthy or inaccessible fissures, places any living soul would avoid. Oh, I love it. For a few moments after feeding, Nosferatu are lucid and capable of considering more than their next meal. In these instances, Nosferatu recollect glimpses of what they once were, beings who knew pride intention and a world beyond the shadows they might even momentarily be convinced to converse with other creatures however those who talk with nosferatu typically find themselves find them selfish uh duplictus sure duplicitous I don't know. Do things. (laughs) Dyslexia, whose creatures creatures whose memories are faded and whose basic respect for life is long dead. So instantly, right? I'm running a campaign. The players are walking through the grasslands of wherever they are. Could be any Mm -hmm. world. They come across... I I roll an encounter from Nosferatu. Great. They come across a very small farm. I I was going to go the same route, Ben. You stole my ideas. (laughs) The first thing they see is the barn door hanging open. Well, where are, all the, where are all the animals? They go and investigate. There's a bloody handprint smeared on the barn door. Inside, dead cows uh, <laughs> and maybe a dead horse. And at the very back of the room, a small dead child, the farmer's son. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Scandal. Gasps. Um, they may go and investigate the house where they will find, of course, more scenes of whatever being just absolutely left behind. Straight so, violence. Yeah. Food, uh, uneaten, left on the table, uh, a ruined room, uh, another corpse, maybe the farmer's wife. Has the farmer become an evil creature, they think? Mm. No, we're going to subvert expectations. What they eventually find is uh, the outhouse, which hasn't been cleaned in days and smells of uh, the rotten leftovers of dinner that was digested three weeks ago uh, is where the Nosferatu lives and it is uh, where when you open the door the corpse of the farmer falls out and the Nosferatu is waiting to leap on you and bite you and eat you there's a cool encounter love it how do we now so it's memorable right how mm-hmm. do we now link it back into the the, uh, the, the main storyline so it's going to depend on you know what what plot you're doing this this is one of those encounters that is for me i'm like okay i need to put something in because mm-hmm. we're, we're yeah. traveling now not every encounter that you have as you're traveling needs to link back to the overall plot but i think no. that what it should do is give you something to think about to go back to the overall plot so for me for this one it would be okay this is a horrific monster that's ruined someone's wonderful picturesque life the questions I want my players to be able to have answered by the end of the session is why, how, yeah. and um, then like their thing to think about. So if the overall plot is about, um, you know, the, the, 
the lower class and the upper class. Maybe there's something about food and starvation and living yes. the way you live. And it's like, okay, can I show those themes in this encounter? Like the the family didn't have much left or they had loads left there. The upper class and the Nosferatu was a, yeah. was a traveler who was infected by the vampiric curse and didn't know and turned on them when they brought, brought them in and were gracious for them or something like that. Like maybe there's a, there's a story of being uh, cautious about how friendly you are to people. Can I give that motif? And maybe that's something that's going on in the overall campaign. The king let in uh, an outside force and was gracious, and they turned on them and, and, and ransacked the city or something. You mm-hmm. know, what are the plot yeah. points that have happened that I can foreshadow or call back to with this encounter? That's what I'm looking for. Ah, I like it. I like it a lot. What um, are you thinking? So, since you stole my idea, um, uh, <laughs> I was thinking something like this. So, the Parsi has a warlock in it, mm. and they have been drawn to a place in the mountains. So, it's like a rocky crag. It's dark. Uh, for some reason, the sun doesn't quite get through the clouds here. They go delve deeper and deeper into this cave and come across an ancient temple deep mm. within this mountain made of obsidian stone and it has depictions of uh, servants feeding their own blood to some sort of creature it basically has all these vampiric themes they've delved deeper into it the warlock's taken them further and further in until they come across an old sarcophagus with a number of shriveled bodies around it people being uh, murder hobos and loot stealers I'm going to open this thing. <laughs> As they open it, they see a shriveled corpse inside. Its mouth drawn back, skin tight, fangs protruding from it. Mm. As they reach in to get all this loot surrounding the corpse, one of them cuts the hand on a blade and the eyes snap open. Oh. <laughs> I like it. I like that it hits the the classic um uh like vampire-esque thing. Mm-hmm. The one thing I find with coffin creatures, it happened in a game I ran, is that they all expected it to like get up. And yeah. so immediately the first thing the players ask is, okay. Well, now the combat started and the creature's getting up, we're gonna do that thing you do in Skyrim where the Durgar's getting up slowly and you just wail on it until it gets up. So, so I would ex um I would uh do the old um what switch Yeah. I said it earlier and I've already forgotten it. Yeah, I know what you mean. The expectations. expectations. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Subverting expectations. There we go. That's the word. The players are go. all going to think that creature in the coffin is going to get up and, and attack them. So yeah. when they cut their hand on the blades, they're reaching in to grab stuff. Instead of that creature opening its eyes, oh, you hear this horrible bat like screech from the far shadowy corner yeah. as the Nosferatu comes running out at super speed, moving as if there's like yeah. frames missing in a in a film reel. Oh. And, and like leaps the, on them. The coffin is empty and they cut their hand on a blade while getting it out. And then yeah. that happens. And then yeah. that happens. That's how I would do that. Yeah, um, I like that. I like the the setup of like the link to the character mm-hmm. to the player so if you want to link a random encounter that way the the best case scenario is you've done like i was saying with my hex crawls earlier where you roll yeah. it all out and you go okay guys we're going to do a little bit of a gamey bit where we kind of roll everything out and then we'll do the role play and we'll do the montage yeah. we'll actually go through it all and you'll find out what you've rolled as i describe it uh if you're in that scenario and you've rolled out this encounter great okay i've got a player who's a 
who's a warlock, in that montage, I'm going to describe each night as they go to sleep the visions in this warlock's mm, brain. I love that. So you've got the encounter that you've rolled up in the session, but you link it back to the character, but it feels a li- like more pre-planned yeah. because you're yeah. able to kind of foreshadow it and set it up over in-game days. Yeah. That's another trick. So there's, this like is that. the thing, like as we talk through these, there's all of these little tri- t- tips and tricks yeah. and little th- ways you can make it feel more... Um, more planned and more yeah, concrete. I, mean, that's, I think that's like you said is key is a random encounter doesn't have them to happen in that moment you don't have to go right um, pad, I need to get all these stats together but it yeah. can happen like an hour later mm. <laughs> it's fine and the thing I think I've said many times and I will say again is that the DM's job is to trick the players into thinking everything is as it should be right? yes I'm the DM I have planned things. I have written stories. I've spent hours planning things, but you guys have the agency as the players. And so things will change. And so that Mm -hmm. means I cannot physically plan for everything. However, the one thing I guarantee is that if you play in my games, you will think I have thought of everything because there is a facade there and you'll, and and you get good at it. You get to the point where you're good at doing it so that you always think, you never think, well, Ben hasn't planned everything. You just think, (laughs) oh my God, how has Ben thought of everything? Yeah. Because I trick you into forgetting that I can't plan everything. Yeah. Uh, um, And it's things like that, that do that. It's tricky. You can't, we can't sit here and give you hundreds of tricks Mm -hmm. and tell you how to do it because You've just got to practice. It's one of the things you just kind of have to do. Yeah. I think what's my your, parting... What's, oh, go on. What's your favourite encounter, random encounter you've ever run? My favourite random encounter I've ever ran. Oh, God, I've done so many. You've, oh, I can imagine you've done a lot this, uh, mm-hmm. this campaign. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't remember. I don't have one. I, I know there have been really good ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I have. So I know that I've come away from sessions mm-hmm. where the end of the session I've gone, wow, I made all of that up tonight. Yeah. And my players have said, that's the best session of the campaign so far. Yeah. Um, and that's how I know that I'm doing the right things because I'm linking it back and making it relevant and it's not just yeah. like oh and we've had sessions you know there have been sessions where we've come away and they've gone was that a filler session i've gone yeah that one was that was all random encounters tonight <laughs> yeah. and they're like yeah, yeah it felt a bit like a filler one but you know but you have to have those right yeah yeah um so i don't know i don't have a random encounter that's my favorite i've ever run i just know that i've had really good ones yeah um and it's made my- me love them more my, i think my favorite one i ever ran was in my homebrew game this was when i first started out dm and and um, I can't remember where I read it. I read this encounter somewhere and I just thought, oh, this would be great right now. It was on a travel sequence. And um, I read somewhere that there was this house that just appears mm. as they're walking. And they can smell like their favorite meal in there. It's warm and cozy. It was like this is a winter theme. Uh, and um, I was like, you can smell it. And immediately the players were like, no, we don't want to go in there. And I'm like, mm-hmm. But I, and my, my brain was like, are you sure? Because it's like, this is where you can rest. It's a safe place. So I t- turned it against them and I was like, you see the house again. 
and they like keep walking <laughs> and they see the house again and they freed them out so much and then they went eventually they went inside it they, they just like, like yeah you have a long rest you have some food it's great and they're like what yeah <laughs> i like that it's so good again we said it twice let's say it a third time subvert expectations yeah, it um, is. okay closing points then uh for me I, I think you'll agree with these. I think we've gone through these, but yeah. focus on the descriptions. Mm-hmm. Um, link back to something relevant, whether it's plot or character driven. Um, use yep. your time to make it feel pre-planned. Yeah. Do you agree have with fun those? with it. Have fun, have with, fun it as with, well. with it. Oh, have, have fun, fun with it. My my final my like final piece of advice. Yeah. Because we've said, hey, it's like it's a practice thing. Is go away and do this lots use random encounter tables use them in the game one thing that's really fun to do i like to do this all the time because i i love playing this way is i've planned out what the encounter is i know that mm-hmm. the party's gonna come across uh you know scravers that have got too close to the rock of brawl and so are flying flowing float, flying above the city but i don't know when or where or how yeah and i let them decide that in their actions yeah and you know what you could do you can literally practice this as well if you're bored at home just Roll on an encounter table and come up with something. Exactly. 100%. Um, Dave, thank you very much. This has been... This was fun. This has I, been I apologise uh, for being so tired, but I... I have, I, have I woken you up? Have I pulled you out of it? <laughs> I enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed that. There you go. That was a lot of fun. My mission has been succeeded. Oh, yeah. Um, if you'd like to continue this conversation, if you want to come and join us, do on the Discord server. We Speak Common has a Discord server and it's free for you to join right now. There's a link in the description below. It brings you over to the common room. You can be a commoner. You can have fun. You have a chat with us and talk about all things D&D on the best place in the internet. Or you can come and support the Patreon and get access to everything else from the main hall, the Hall of Heroes, the Vibe Zone, the the events we've got going on, the advice area, the homebrew section. Honestly, there's so much. And as we speak, we have our um, holiday hijinks event coming up. Yeah, I'm excited. Which is open to not only patrons, but also commoners. So anyone with free access can come and join us for a fun night of uh, Christmas holiday hijinks, which is on the... 16th? 16th of December. So yeah, no, not the 16th, the 18th, 18th, 18th. So got it's, you, uh, if you're listening to this on Thursday, the 15th, Hey, it's in like three days time. So Me? come join the discord server. Come join us. Yes. Yes. Um, I really hope that that is the date this episode goes out. Future Ben, who's editing this. <laughs> otherwise that's, <laughs> that's irrelevant. Um, <laughs> We're on social media at We Speak Common on pretty much everything. We Speak Common Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You know the ones. Come and join us while they're still around. Twitter will eventually die and burn out. But hey, it while will. it's still there, we're still yep. there too. Make the most of it. <laughs> exactly. And if you see us on Reddit, it's probably me. Dave, thank you for thank uh, you ben. for joining me tonight. I've had a wonderful This was fun. This was very fun. Bye-bye now. See you very soon. <laughs>listening to the we speak common podcast network if you enjoyed the show be sure to leave a review on your platform of choice and share us with a friend or dnd group near you if you'd like to directly support the network and the production of new shows like the one you heard today head to the description of this episode or our social media pages for a link to our patreon page you can connect with the show on twitter instagram and facebook at we speak common The network theme is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82 and is held under a Creative Commons 4.0 license. You can find it on the Free Music Archive.